Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, my brother Ali? Five Diggy Tribe Core Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles Peter Ghost. This is Absol. This is KO. And you listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong. What's going on? Welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Martin Bauman. And today I'm talking to one of the most talented hip-hop artists in Canada. My guest today has recorded well over 20,000 songs, and somewhere in that catalog exists the holy grail in hip-hop, entire unreleased albums with Drake, Shad, Tona, and Blake Carrington, all of which I need to hear. His last album was 2011's Awakening, an equally thoughtful and soulful album that touches on everything from faith to insecurity to perseverance, all with his trademark skill and humility. Now he's back and gearing up for another album coming soon. Yes, today I'm talking to Promise... We talk about his upcoming album, Pursuing Goals, coming up alongside Drake, and lots, lots more. Take a listen. Why don't we begin by going back to the beginning for you? What would have been your first introduction to hip hop? My first introduction to hip hop? Wow. Taking, taking me back. I mean, I heard, I heard hip hop as, as a kid, like way back, but I mean, the first time I kind of like, grabbed onto it as in, like, I want to be involved in hip-hop was probably the Wu-Tang era, early Method Man. But what would have been, do you remember the first time you might have, you, like, the first definitive song you would remember hearing or anything like that? Nah, because I didn't even grow up on hip-hop. I grew up on, like, soul and funk and stuff like that, so I can't even remember the very first time I, I heard rap, but I know the, the, the first time I kind of, like, gravitated toward it as in, like, I really like this, and I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be a part of this whole culture with with early Method Man, release the like bring the pain, like you know what I'm saying. Those the Thirty Six Chambers times. So what was it about Wu Tang that that grabbed a hold of you? I, I I have no idea. You know, I just just the whole vibe, the energy, and the passion behind the vocals. He made me believe that he believed what he was saying. You know what I'm saying? So. I think that's what wrote me in and it kind of pulled me into like listening and to, to vibe with him. So is, is Method Man your favorite Wu-Tang Clan member or, is, or, or how do you rank maybe top three? Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> Method Man is definitely my favorite Wu-Tang member. Uh, there's a lot of them that I don't even like, like at all and then there's some that a lot of people like and I don't really understand. Mm-hmm. But like a lot, a lot of people love Ghostface and while I... I like some of Ghostface's songs, like uh, a very like few. I don't really understand the hyper arm. Like I've always thought that Method Man was the best Wu Tang member. So when it came to Method Man and your appreciation for Wu Tang, was it more mass solo stuff like Tikal, or was it uh, the group stuff like Thirty Six Chambers that grasped you? It was Tikal that gra- that grabbed me, but then uh, I started appreciating you know the rest of them through through. My 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 passion for hip hop that started growing out of that. Now, aside from uh, the Wu Tang stuff, what was the most influential album for you growing up? Oh, most influential album. There were two: um, Kanye, College Dropout, and uh, Lauryn Hill, 
miseducation. And, and why those two? I think those two, I think they're like the best hip-hop albums <laughs> because they, they have uh, an amazing sound. They express strong messages, strong positive messages, and they're dope at the same time. It's very hard <laughs> to find, it's very hard to find music that kind of, that's like clean or that has a, a good message that is also dope. Usually, usually you hear something with a clean message and you associate it with, oh, that artist is corny or the music quality is not up to par. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like when people hear my music, they're, they're confused. They're like, like, how does it sound so good? And you don't even swear. Or, you know, you're not talking <laughs> about hoes and, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they're not used to hearing good music at a good quality level from a good artist that can actually rap or sing or whatever it is they're doing. So I think Lauren Hill's, Lauren Hill's album and Kanye's college dropout are, like, up there at the top. I was going to say, it, it takes a certain kind of skill as well to be able to rhyme as well with, without relying on a crutch, like cursing or anything like that. Exactly. You mentioned earlier uh, soul music was playing up as you were growing up in the house. What else was playing as you were growing up? Oh, man, this is a lot of soul because my dad is a ballroom dancer, so I, I hear a lot of, like, a lot of everything from, like, James Brown to Paul Anka to, man... You know, like old tunes, like 16 Candles and like <laughs> Sam Cooke and Marvin Gaye. You know what I'm saying? Like old stuff. And that's that's what I grew up on. That's probably what also looped me into loving Kanye for sampling all the records that I already knew and was in love with because of my dad. So it's like, I'm like, man, this is the perfect mixture of everything I love. It's got that soul, but it's, it's hip hop and it's, you know, it's banging. Banging drums, it's, this is amazing. So you mentioned a, a little bit of how Wu-Tang got you into that appreciation for hip-hop, but what, at what point did you really realize that you wanted to pursue music as a career? Um, I was in a cast at um, A.Y. Jackson, which is the high school I attended, and um, we were just like, because I was in creative writing and all that sort of stuff, so I'd write a lot and um, freestyle and battle my boys in a calf and uh, one of the calf staff members heard us one day and he pulled me aside and he he had a, a group, a hip hop group. He later like um, recruited me and my boy into the group. It's kind of like a Wu-Tang, like a 12 member type, you know, type group. But uh, he pulled me aside and he uh, told me that, you know, he's been listening to us and whatever. And he's like, you know, all your, you know, all your boys are cool and whatever, but like, he's like, you really got something. I, I like, I think if you take it more seriously, you can really make an impact. What you're saying is really inspiring. I know you you, you kind of change what you're saying when you're with your boys to kind of just, you know, get kicks and laughs and whatever, the hype. But I hear I hear something more in, in you. You should mm-hmm. take it more seriously. And and since then, I've just been, you know, I, I would work on stuff with, with the crew and whatever, but I would also kind of like hold my craft on my solo time, you know? So sorry, was this a, a fellow student or a staff member at the school, or, or who no? Was... It was a, it was a staff member who a guy who worked in the calf, and uh, he was there. I guess he was there part time, but he you know he was an older guy and he loved hip hop, and he made a group. Um, what was the group? I think the group was called Shadow Law Empire or something like that. But it was basically like a Wu Tang. It was modeled after Wu Tang. Yeah, sort of. And uh, yeah, so he he's the one who pulled me aside, and he was like, 
man, like, you know, you're dope. You should take it more seriously. You're, what you're saying is real inspiring. Because mm-hmm. I'd, always, I'd always be different from the rest. Like, even now, like, people hear me, they're like, I, like, I never really heard of anyone like you or, you know? I'm just, I'm just I'm just a different guy. People see me, they don't even know that I rap. They think I sing because I'm a singer at heart. Like, I'm a songwriter. I, I have a catalog of songs, but I love to rap. And I'm I'm pretty decent. I rap, so you know. So I so I rap, but like I grew up on songs, and you know when I'm when I'm engineering, I usually engineer songs. I I don't really engineer hip hop too often. I was just think it's it's pretty rare for someone in a school setting, uh, you know, to be a staff member to tell you, uh, you know, normally you think they would encourage you, you know, go to go to school, get your grades, all that stuff. But to say no, you you really have a gift in music, and you should pursue this. Well, but he wasn't he wasn't a teacher. Right? That's he, true. He, he worked in the cast. Like, he was serving food as, I guess, a part-time or whatever, you know? So he, his, his heart was at hip-hop, but he, he's older. Mm-hmm. And, he, you know, he grew up in hip-hop and whatever. He would, you know, educate us whenever we get together and stuff like that. And, like, kind of, like, use us as, like, pit bulls in a dog fight. He would, like, sick us and other people <laughs> as battle rappers. No, because we did a lot of battle rapping and stuff like that, right? And we would write all the time, so we were good at, and we'd be beating a lot of older, older MCs and it was fun, but I didn't really, it, it, it wasn't, it's not for me. Like I didn't really see the sense in tearing people down. It, it just didn't make sense. I'd rather build people up. That's just me. You know, from your music and, and from saying things like that, you sound like someone who's very grounded. Uh, where do you think you got that from? Well, growing up, I grew up, you know, a Christian, my mom, my, 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 my parents, I'm I'm a Christian by faith, you know, so like just the values and principles come from that and just knowing God and just seeking certain things and positivity has always played a huge role in my upbringing. Uh, You also mentioned something earlier. You you talked about having a catalog of songs. Uh, I read an interview of yours. This was from 2009, mind you, but you mentioned having over easily over 20,000 songs in your catalog. Uh, How much? (laughs) <laughs> how, how many are you at by now, and, and how do you come by that work ethic? Um, well, I mean, I don't know. This is just what I do, and I love doing it, so I don't really understand when people, and I know a lot of people who are like this who say, you know, they want to be a rapper or they want to be an artist, but I call them to see what they're doing, and they're not doing anything, or they're not recording, or they're not writing, or they're not in the studio, they're not trying to find a studio. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I've had a studio. I've been doing this full time for a long time. And it just, it boggles my mind the amount of calls that I don't get. I, I'd expect people to be harassing me to get in. Some people are, mind you. Some, some, of the, some of the younger, hungry people are, like, on me. And I'm, like, I have to, like, kind of section them off and be, like, listen, I need some time for my, myself and my family to, like, relax. But, like, I... I'd expect people who are who say they're serious or or want to be in the position that I'm in. People are like, "Oh man, I don't get how you do this full time." Da da da. It's because I I put in work. Like this is what I do. When you guys are sleeping, when you guys are clubbing, when you guys are drinking and doing all this other nonsense, it's not gonna it's not gonna better your life. I'm working. I'm making the music. You go and pay government twenty dollars to go and dance to. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like this is what I do. Mm-hmm. All day, every day, every single day I write songs, every single day. So for me to, to build a catalog is nothing. When I signed with Duckdown um, a few years back, they were like, um, they loved the album that I presented to them. And they were like, you know, 
we were thinking maybe a year or two we could you could put out another album you know how long do you think it would take you i said well i have albums there you can just go and pick <laughs> i probably i really don't have to record again i do because i love making music so i record constantly which sometimes is a problem because i'm like oh that that sounds old meanwhile the world hasn't heard it yet mm-hmm. you know and it's still amazing a lot of the stuff that i release that that was you know four and a half out of five star reviewed and all this a lot of that stuff is six seven years old wow the odd time i'll i'll re-record the vocals or i'll reproduce something but most of the time it's just like that because the style of music i i i like is what i produce and that's timeless music that's not the the triple triple speed hi-hats and stuttering snare that's going to be stale in four months later mm-hmm. that's not the you know the the syncopated electronic lead from Soldier Boy that's hot on one single, so everybody tries to jump on it to be hot in Atlanta, and then everybody has it, so it's stale. You know what I'm saying? That's real music. That's musicians. That's arrangements. That's um, not a beat loop, but a, a beat that changes when the pre-chorus comes in, and then the changes for the chorus, and then maybe there's a bridge breakdown because I'm a songwriter, so I think like that. And most MCs don't think like that. They just want a dope beat with hard drums and they just let the loop play and it gets boring. Especially if you have more than two verses, it gets so boring. For me, at least. Okay, there's so many things I want to jump on from that answer, but I'll start with this one. Uh, what, what is timeless music to you? How do you describe timeless music? For me, for me timeless music is music that, that will be played after this moment. You know what I'm saying? As as amazing as some of the music that comes out, and not to knock any artist that I may reference or whatever, um, you know, I love Drake, not just, like, his talent, but as a person. Like, you know, we came up doing a lot of work together. But, like, a lot of the hits that people loved then, nobody's playing now. You know what I'm saying? And it's not that it's not good. It's great. But it's not timeless. It's it's something about the the song, something about the, the production, something in it that allows it to be carried on into other eras and other generations. And I'm not claiming to know the formula to that, <laughs> but <laughs> that, that's just seemed to be, a, that seems to be a common denominator in what I do. Like my last album was released 2011 and there's people who are hearing it now for the first time and loving it because it, it, it didn't get released. It what didn't get a marketing push. It, you know, I wasn't at a level where I had a team behind me, but, the album is still brand new. I, the label I'm with now wants to release, wants to re-release that album, and I'm okay with that because it still sounds amazing. It's not like, oh, that's dated. That's from '96. That's from the. It sounds like I did it yesterday, and I and I I don't know why. Like I'm not saying like, yeah, that's just what I do, you know. <laughs> but that that seems to be what I do. <laughs> Well, on top of that, it seems it would you would think it would take the pressure off of having to release a project, you know, year after year to to keep sounding current. If you can make exactly. a, an album, yeah. Uh, going back to something you said earlier, uh, talking a little bit about doing music full time and, and people around you looking at that and seeing that. Uh, I read an interview with Lord Quest that he did recently. Uh, I think it was with Noisy, and he was talking about how you're one of the few people that he knows that does music exclusively as a career. He's never seen you working another job to make ends meet. Uh, and in hip hop and in, can- in Canada, especially that's no small task. Uh, so why do you think that you've succeeded where others have failed? Um, my mindset is different. A lot of people, like you said, especially in Canada, 
the mindset is, um, well, you know, go to school or get a job just in case. Well, I don't believe in that. And that's why a lot of people in the States, that's why you see people popping off at like 8, 12, 13 years old, and they're stars now because their mindset in the States is, is different. It's not, it's, uh, you see your son at three years old kicking a soccer ball, boom, you throw him in soccer league, you put everything behind him. You know what I'm saying? We believe. Mm-hmm. They, we don't we don't do that up here. We're too conservative. We're too scared. We're too uh, we worry about security when nothing is secure because you can lose any job, and just because you go to school does not mean that you're going to get a job. That's, That's true. Been proving time after time. You know how many friends I have who've been to Harris, who've been to Travis, and not to knock any of these schools. I'm sure they're great. Who've been to Fanshawe for music and are not working in music right now who thought, oh, I got the paper, I'm going to get hired at a studio, or I got this, I'm going to be a rap star now, I'm going to be a manager, but they're not. You know what I'm saying? I didn't go to school for music. I, I learned everything hands-on. I went to school, and then I did co-op at a studio, and I learned hands-on. I learned how to engineer. I learned how to produce. I learned how to network and stuff like that just by being in it. And that's the best way. Not, I'm not trying to tell anybody quit school and, you know, <laughs> I'm just trying to tell people, be smart. I always have to watch my words for that because people tell me all the time, they're like, oh, man, I feel like you're telling me to, to drop out or, you know, like, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm, in a way I am, but I'm not. I'm saying be smart about what you want to do. If you really want to do this, find out how to really do it and do it. And don't just do what you think, you know, do what you know. It's easy, especially if you if you're one of the people who revered me as like, man, I see Tom is doing it, da 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 da. Ask me questions. Come and talk to me. Don't go and go to school and talk to somebody who's not doing it. Not mm-hmm. to knock any teachers, but you know what I'm saying. Go go and talk to somebody who gets paid to teach people and ask them what they think. They're gonna tell you, come, let me teach you. They're not gonna tell you, nah, don't come to school. Yo, go and see if you can intern at a studio. Go and see if you can intern at a label. Going, you know what I'm saying? This uh, this applies to so many more things than just music too. It's it's uh. Yeah, it's it's with everything. Like if you want to be a lawyer, like don't just run and jump in law school. Go to a firm and talk to them and see what's up. See what they recommend because they might be like they might check your skills and be like, man, you're amazing. But to hire you here, we need at least this month schooling. So go and get this month schooling, then come back. You know, you never know what's gonna happen. People are afraid to take chances up here. We're so scared. That's not how I am. It's not how I was raised. It's not how I raised my children. So you think uh, having a plan B or being too cautious is limiting, or is it, that's what holds too many people back? It is. It is one hundred percent. Because if you if you want to be a rapper, but you your plan B is you know I'm going to go to school for um, med school just in case you know the rap thing doesn't pop off. You know at least I have a you know doctor I could fall back on. You're not giving 100% to your rap career, to your rap dream, to your vision, or whatever it is. You're, you can't because you're doing two things. So it's either 50-50 or 75-25. Whatever it is, you're not giving 100%. So why should you get 100%? Yeah. You, you mentioned uh, very briefly uh, before coming up with Drake around the same time. Uh, I, I know that you two have w- done work in the past and you have uh, that relationship. Uh, how did uh, you and Drake first meet? Uh, we met on Degrassi. He, you know, he had, everybody knows he had a lead role. I, yes, I was a student yeah. at Degrassi for maybe like seven years. It was a long time. And uh, we met through a mutual friend, Jermaine Brown, who's a singer-songwriter. 
and he he heard my stuff and he's like, man, it's dope. I think I would love it. Da da da. He's been writing or whatever, and so he introduced us, and uh, he showed me uh, Drake showed me his lyrics, and uh, it was in the stairwell in the stairwell of Degrassi, and I was like, yo, well, do something for me. Let me hear. And so he read off the lyrics, and I'm like, man, you're dope. <laughs> like we should get it. We should do something. He's like, yeah, I'd love to. Da da da. I haven't really recorded anything. I've just been writing. And uh, so I brought him to my studio, and then we just started working from then. And, you know, a lot of the tracks from his early mixtapes, Room for Improvement and uh, what was it? Comeback Season and all those ones, a lot of those were recorded. Up, I recorded, I engineered them on my studio, you know. And then we did a whole mixtape together. I haven't released that yet. It's just there, chilling in the archives. <laughs> it was dope. It was dope. And, and our friendship built further from, you know, doing music together and, and being on set together. So we, you know, we did a lot. So before the world heard Drake uh, the way he is today, you first heard him and and recorded him. Yeah, oh yeah, and he didn't and he didn't sound like how he does now. He sounds com- not completely different, but a lot different. Like in in our early days, he sounded more like Loon from Bad Boy, and he ra- and he rapped more about ladies. Mainly, <laughs> yeah, he was like a ladies' man rapper, like <laughs> smooth, always talking about girls. You know, yeah. Like well, that. well. Even if you compare comeback season to something like what he's doing now, that's totally a different stuff too. Yeah. You know, I, I, you're talking about work ethic earlier. What is uh, from having worked with Drake? What's his work ethic like? I don't know what his work ethic is like now. I'm not sure if it reflects from back then or whatever. But I mean, he back then it was the beginnings, right? So everybody in the beginning is hungry and is is kind of like on it. So he was just like any other person who was like excited and passionate and wanting to make something happen. You know, he did a lot a lot of stuff that nobody else has done, some of which because he could, like, you know, he had he paid for his own video, he, you know, paid for the feature, the the Trey Songs thing that popped everything off. You know, some people just weren't in a position financially to do that. So like I'm not saying that he did what others didn't, but he was in a better position to do certain things. Even you know, even with his, his already made fan base, he was he was poised to to be bigger. I just did not know that it would be the biggest thing, and I didn't know that it would happen so fast. But I knew it would happen. Like everybody, I tried to put onto him. I told them, you know, he has this. He has he has you know all these star qualities. He has media training. He's you know as as bad as it may sound, he's light skinned. He's biracial. He's you know what I'm saying. He he can actually rap, and he's already have a fan base of over a million. Like <laughs> these are things that are like, yeah. If I had, if I had, not just if I had money, but if I, if I was a different person, because I, you know, I there are certain things even in the early stages that I just didn't agree with, just like content wise and stuff like that. So it's like I wouldn't, I wasn't in a position to like back him or invest in that sense. But I wanted to, as a friend, just help however I could. So I tried to introduce people to him. Mm-hmm. And at that time, people were brushing him off and, you know, not taking him seriously because he because of Degrassi. So they wouldn't even listen. And it wasn't even until Wayne co-signed them that everybody was like, oh, and you know how that's how that, but that's Canada's nature. Like, yeah, labels aren't really trying to say anything until the states are saying something. We're just follow follow fashion. <laughs> so do do you feel like the same thing happened to you with Duck Down that that Canada did not really give oh, you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's still even not where where I think it should be. Like 
you know, but definitely no one was trying to really, really mess with me or, or, or book me until the States was like, yo. And I think it's ridiculous that we always wait for somebody else's approval to acknowledge our own. We got a lot of great talent here. That's why everybody's coming and scooping our talent. Almost all of the producers are gone and signed, and the songwriters are starting to get picked up now because Drake has a label deal out there, you know what I'm saying? So it's it's sad that like people like Universal and all these other labels up here are kind of missing out because nobody wants to, even people in Canada, nobody wants to sign with a Canadian company because they weren't showing love in the in the first place. Or people, promoters wouldn't, wouldn't book local acts because they're like, you know, well, we need to bring in Chance the Rapper, we need to bring in so-and-so. But we got people out here who are just as good, if not sound the same, you know? But that's, that's the nature of Toronto and why there's no music industry in the urban section here. Do you think things are improving or getting worse or, or are they just, have they changed at all? Um, I, I haven't really seen a change, but I'm sure it's improving at some level, um, you know, because we're getting more, more looks, you know, but I don't know if, if anything will really pop off in our city just for us instead of like people coming here to scoop our artists and take us worldwide, which is great. But why is there nothing here where all the music's being made, where all the artists are? I don't, I don't really understand it, but I haven't really tried to understand the infrastructure or build the industry here. I, it's, I don't, it's not my job. It's not my passion. So I'm here to help wherever I can with whoever wants to do that. But you know, I got, I'm like everybody else is like, I'm, I got to look out for me because nobody else is trying to look out for me. <laughs> uh, music aside, uh, I believe you and Drake share the claim to one unparalleled title, which would be the first Canadians not in the NBA to be featured as playable characters in 2K11. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, me and Drake, first um, first Canadian uh, artist to be in the game. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that to put on your resume right there. Oh, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that has ever happened to me. I love that. <laughs> To this day, even though it's, it's 2014 and I still tell people, I'm like, like whenever I see them playing or hear them talking about it, or I make sure to let them know because a lot of people still don't know. A lot of people that know me still don't know. People are finding out these days still. And it's 2014, I'm like, yeah, 2K11, I'm in that. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> Not just my songs in there, but I'm in the game. You can play as me. That is cool. And I'm not even a gamer. But that's so cool. So how did that uh, how did that happen that you were selected to be a playable character? Do you do you have an insight into that process? That was um, I played I played with um, Duck Down at um, at South by that year for uh, well not that year but previous year to a sold out show. Most of the Duck Down shows were sold out shows anyways. But I played with you know Sean Price, Farrell, and everybody else and. Uh, Guys from 2K Sports were there. I'm not sure if if Drew Hall called them out or they just happened to be there or whatever. And then, you know, they approached Duck Down after the show and were like, yo, we'd love to put Thomas, Buck, and the guys in the game. And I guess at first they thought, you know, just the song. And then after after discussion, they're like, yo, you know, but I get the, I get the call. And I gotta get I gotta get a photo shoot. I gotta take 360 pictures and stuff like that for them to build my character. And they're asking me stats and, you know, 
stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> one thing I remember saying was, I don't want to be like, because everybody's probably going to say, oh, yeah, give me the same stats as Jordan. Yeah. But I, wanna, I wanted it to be realistic, you know? So I kind of looked at some players and uh, I gave them my height and my weight and everything. And I was like, you know, this is the position I play in real life. I wanted to be realistic. You guys make it realistic. Don't make it. Don't make me a super player so that everybody wants to use me. I want it to be realistic. These are my my stats in real life. This is what I can do in real life. You know, saying I've been dunking from grade eight, so I should be able to dunk. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. And you know, I'm I'm fast, but I, my endurance isn't crazy, so maybe my stamina should be like a little lower than you know whatever. I told him I want it to be realistic. I don't care what anybody else's character is like. Make my guy like me. So you're telling me that you've been dunking since grade eight? Yeah. Uh, tell me about that, that first moment then, the first time getting over the rim. <laughs> first time. I mean, like anybody else, excitement. You know, I, I think I talk about it. I talk about it on my album in memories, just like going from not being one of the first people to be picked for a team because – I wasn't hot sauce, but I was good, but I wasn't, like, the best. So people, I, I'd be picked, like, halfway or whatever, you know, three people in, then they take me to being able to dunk and my, my vertical just getting better and uh, my speed playing a role because I was always fast. So, like, become becoming the kind of, like, okay player to making all the ball cuts and, you know, always being on the senior team even though I'm in the juniors you know, stuff like that, but it's good, it was good, it was exciting, it was, it was fun, people calling you <laughs> Superman and stuff like that, because you're not supposed to be able to dunk at that age and that height, I'm, I'm still I'm still pretty much the same height, you know, I've never reached six foot, I've always been like 5'10", 5'11", you know what I'm saying, so like people don't expect that from you, and no. I think that's why it's, it's cool, what, you can dunk, what do you mean, like a real rim, like 10 foot? <laughs> But that that whole thing kind of also played into me stopping, like my love for watching sports because I went to the I went to the, the dome one time and I seen that they play on the same nets as us, and I kind of lost respect for the players that I used to love because I'd be like, well, you should always be dunking. Look how <laughs> tall you are, you know. Look how tall you are. You're getting paid millions of dollars. What is a layup? Yeah. And why are you missing them? And, you know, I started judging judging and stuff like that, and I, my love just kind of, like, fell back. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I believe NBA should rule out all layups from here on out, just dunks only. Yeah. <laughs> and not to, not to down-talking, I'm sure they're, they're all dope still, you know, but that's just how I felt back then as a kid and why I stopped watching ball and just stopped watching sports on a whole. I just kind of, like... I also got a different look at, on entertainment as I started doing music full-time. It's like, why am I spending so much of my life watching somebody else live their dream when I, I should be living my dream or at least working at living my dream, which is probably why I can do what I do. You know, I, at the playoffs and the Super Bowl, I, I'm, I'm working. Like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not into the hype. And it's, while everybody else is taking a break on their life to go and watch somebody else do it, it, it doesn't move me the same way. I'd rather do in a studio. <laughs> Tell me about this quote. Uh, how come it ain't a trend to rap flawless? How come the dope MCs mimic the whack artists? Yeah, I, I think, who was that? Was that Logic or, did I put the name? 
Uh, no, I did. I don't. I, I looked it up too. I couldn't find who actually rapped those lyrics. Oh yeah, there's a. Uh, there's this new guy on the on the West Coast. I think his name is Logic. I'm, I'm trying to remember his name. I just thought that was a dope, dope quote. You know, why isn't the trend? Why is the trend to to, to rap how everybody else can do? La, yeah. La, ba, da, ba, da. Like, what is that? Like, and why is that hot now? I don't get it. And you know. Again, I'm not taking shots at any artists or whatever. I just don't understand it. When I heard that certain people were popping off or were, the, were hot right now, the top artists is, you know, yo, you got to, can you give me a joint, a joint like 2 chains And, like, like you know, and I, I listen to these songs, and I'm like, why would anybody want to rap like that on purpose? I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't get it. Like, I, I just don't understand it. But what I do understand is why it's catchy, because it's simple. I understand that. And I understand how people can sing along with it, but I don't understand why anybody would want that, or or you know what benefit that has to your life, other than entertainment, I guess. But you know, some people just don't care about living better and just you know. Sometimes I just want to turn up. Where did that even come from? I don't I don't even know where that term came from. <laughs> this whole turn up stuff. Yeah. Even like, yo, these these tracks are crazy, bro. But you got to give us at least at least three turn up tracks. I'm like, what is a turn up track? I had to learn, you know. And <laughs> I'm like, it's not. I'm not even that old. I'm just not in that 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 space. My mind, I don't think like that. I don't. I I always want to do better. It's it's hard for me to not rap about something. Mm-hmm. I've tried, and it's it's hard because I'm my 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 life. I want to I want to listen to something and have something to take from it. I don't just want to be like, oh, that's a great song. Well, why is it great? Because it, it sounded great? What? Because it was catchy? Like, what was great about it? Did it make you feel better? Like, did it change your life? I'm about changing lives. I'm not just about having fun. So, I don't know. Maybe I think too much. No, that's a, that's a good place to segue to. This is another quote of yours. I think I pulled this from a, another interview I read uh, in the past. Something that you said was, the power of life and death is in the tongue, and anyone who doesn't respect or understand that shouldn't be behind a mic. Uh, tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, some people say, um, I'm trying to remember what exactly that was based on, but it's like some people just think this is, look at it as a job, and they don't really, they don't consider the listener. That's something I think I heard, uh, I think it was Lecrae consider your listener. You know, it's a lot of pe- a lot of people in in high positions always always make sure to say that to me. You know, do what you're doing. Continue. Just just make sure you consider your listener. And, and some people don't think like that. A lot of people think like, oh well, this is this is my ex- it's my music and it's my expression. So if they don't want it, they don't have to listen to it or whatever it is. But some people are going to hear it forcefully just by chance because somebody else turns it on and right. you're affecting that person's life. You gotta, you gotta consider your listener. Like, and do you want to tear somebody down or build them up? That's 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 the choice. There's only two choices: life or death. It's not halfway. It's not. Well, I'm not really tearing them down. You're either doing good or bad. And I think we're in a world that kind of like creates a gray and thinks that like, well, certain things are okay, and certain things are not. Like some people think that you know, mollies and all these things and drinks is is you know it's okay. Like, cause you know she was in the club, so she she must have wanted something to pop off. Yeah. While, while straight rape is, is not okay. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. It's bad. It's not, it's not okay. It's good or bad. And that's how I listen to music, too. It's, 
I'm kind of like critical. I'm like <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people want me in the studio, and a lot of people don't because I'm I'm good or bad. I'm <laughs> not your yes man. I'm like either dope or it's not. I'll let you know why, but that's just how I am. I'm not like yo man. It's it's all right man. It's pretty it's pretty good. I'm like yo this is crazy or uh, this sucks. You need to fix this. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I believe you know the rapper Gemstones too. He yeah. he had a great quote about the same thing. He said, you know, more rappers should speak life if we hold the power of life and death in our tongues. Uh, very similar to to what you said. But uh, yeah, I, I interviewed Gemstones a few years back and asked about he how he finds a balance between uh, appeasing to different crowds in his music. And and what he said is that it's not hip hop and it's not gospel. There's no title for the music I do. Uh, you've spoken before about the challenge of being not Christian enough for the church or too church for the world. How do you find a balance in your music? I don't. I just, I've just learned to just be me. And whoever likes me will like my music. And that's who it's for, really. I really, really, as bad as it sounds, I really don't care who doesn't like the music. I just look at it as it's not for them. Well, I guess that's a, a pretty simple way of looking at things then. Yeah, and it's Erica Badu who put me on to that. She was like, they asked her in an interview, and then she was like, you know, I don't care if you like my music. I want to know how it made you feel, because it's going to make everybody feel something. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's amazing, and I'm living by that, because that's how I feel. Like, I don't, like, that's what, I don't go out of my way to tell people I don't like their music. If somebody asks me, I'm truthful. And, you know, whether you like that or not, some people hire me to executive producer projects because they, they, they need that and they know now and they understand why my music is at a certain level because I don't play. I don't, I don't ask my friends, yo, what do you feel about this? I come off the stage and I ask my manager, yo, what can I change to make this better? I don't ask them how I did. Hey, yo, how do you think I do? How do you think? What do you think? No, I ask you, what can I change to make this better? Because I can always do better. So... What is it? Let's find it and let let me work on that. Yeah. Now, so now, when I was talking to Lord Quest, uh, maybe one or two months ago, he was telling me that he's been doing some work on your upcoming uh, album. Mm-hmm. What uh, What can you tell me about the the project that's in the works at this point? Man, oh, this project, I love it. I mean, I'm biased, but <laughs> <laughs> it it it's great and it's different, and I. I'm just excited for it to drop. I still got a couple more joints I'm working on with Quest. Um, you know, originally I wanted the whole thing produced by Quest, but he's gotten so so busy, especially since, you know, the schoolboy and the Dom Kennedy and the Tyler placements and everything is starting to pop off. And really, his, his name's really bubbling, especially out in L.A. We're actually supposed to be in L.A. next month again. But, um, yeah, he's, he's getting real busy. But I got, like, I got two or three right now already, and I want three more to kind of choose from but the album man there's there's just so many elements here it's really it's really eclectic i guess is the word eclectic yeah and uh it's different but my stuff is is different if you listen to my last album you know i'm different i'm not your regular dude <laughs> now is there is there a title that's uh that's being kicked around yet or are there other there are other collaborations that uh yeah can yeah, be known. There's, you know, there's a couple of stuff in the works. I, I'm not supposed to say anything right yet. <laughs> of course, but, yeah. You know, it, there's, there's, there's a cool, it's a cool, it's got a cool concept theme. Um, a couple handful of pretty big features, maybe about five big features. 
But, uh, you know, in the next couple of months over the summer, we'll find out more about that. Yeah. Two two more things I want to ask you about. There's uh, a couple artists that you're working with right now, more, more of a in a management role, uh, being Sequoia and Johan. Yeah. Uh, tell me about each of these artists and uh, how you came upon their music. Um, Sequoia, I've known Sequoia for many years. Uh, she, she's spectacular. She, uh, she was on BET as a finalist she, on Sunday's Best. She uh, wrote and produced her and her husband. Her husband is her producer. Uh, they wrote and produced on NDRE's first two albums. Like, they've done a lot of stuff, and I've always revered her music as, like, amazing. And I just, I didn't think I was at a level where people would want me in that position, you know? I, I know I love what I do, and I know I, I do it well, but I just didn't know that other people kind of noticed that. <laughs> and so I was, I did a show in, um, I did a show in uh, Atlanta. Well, I did many shows, but last show I did in Atlanta was at the stadium, and I called Sequoia up to come and, you know, I gave her some of my sign. I was like, yo, I'm in your town. I'm doing a show at the stadium. There's going to be X amount of people there, press and everything. You should come out. And so she came out and she did her thing. And I was backstage with her husband just chopping it up, just sharing my, my dreams and kind of like what I want to do with, you know, the rest of my career, just on the other side of the table, not, not on the rapping side, but just on the songwriting, on the executive producing and stuff like that. And he was like, like, yo, what's going on? You know, what's up? You know, what about Sequoia? Like, would you consider her? And I was like, you want me to work with Sequoia? Like, little old me? <laughs> and they're like, man, we love your stuff. We love what you're doing. You know, your your music is excellent. And, you know, we just want that for her. And we think even if you could just get us to where you are, like, even if that's just it, that's a huge step for us. And I was like, man, all right. You know, so, you know, we chopped up the business side of things and we made it happen. And, uh, yeah, she's about to, we're going to drop her single uh, at the top of summer. That's Sequoia. Johan, I met Johan a couple of years ago <laughs> at a, an album release concert. And he came up to me like, you know, like any other kid who raps. and was like, yo, you know, Promise is my name. I'm Johan. I rap. You know, can I, can I, can I play something for you or whatever? You know, but I'm, I'm always open. Like, you never know who's going to be who or who can do what. or You never know. I'm the guy that listens to the 100-beat beat CD. You know what I'm saying? Hoping that the gem is the last one, whatever. I hear potential. I don't just shrug things off. Because I know how it, feels, how it felt to be that person. Mm-hmm. And I never want to be that artist who's unapproachable, that artist who doesn't have a contact in their Twitter or Instagram. Like, that stuff to me is, is ridiculous at least put your manager's contact, if not, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to be that guy who's like, man, yo, like, I sent, I sent Promise my video, and he actually watched it. He commented. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what does it take to press play? Like, I don't know. But anyhow. anyhow. But um, so he asked if he could rap for me, and uh, I was like, okay, cool. Well, you got a CD or a website or something? And he was like, no, I don't have anything. I haven't even recorded yet, but... I've written all of my stuff, and, like, I could rap it to you in the car, you know. I have the beat on CD. He walked around with the beats on CDs just in case. <laughs> so he put the beat in, and I think it was, it was Beamer Benz Bentley, Lloyd Banks beat. And uh, he put it in, and he was in the driver's seat, and I was in the passenger seat, and he just started snapping. And I'm like, what? 
this kid's amazing. <laughs> and on top of that, he's Indian. And I was like, this is something here. This is something. Like, you know, like when I heard Drake, I'm like, listen, this is something. You're dope, and you have all these. He's dope, and he's an Indian young man with long hair. Like, it, I was like, there is nothing like this. Mm-hmm. And no one liked mm-hmm. him. So I said, you know what? And on top of that, his character, his personality was, was pure and good. And, like, I like that. If you, if you, when, if you get to meet the artists that I work with, that's the number one thing. On top of that, they're dope talent-wise. Their character and their personality shine outside of that. And I'm not really too concerned about if you can rap because there's a lot of talented artists, but there's not a lot of good-hearted artists that I know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, so to get that whole package of somebody who's dope, but I don't have to worry about, you know what I'm saying, like their character is good, it's a great foundation for something amazing. So I decided to kind of pour into them, and uh, you know, it it led into signing deals and you know stuff like that. Final question for you: uh, When all is said and done, what will it take for you to look back on your career and say, "I've been successful"? Oh man, I, I mean, I guess I've already been successful to an extent, but I just want to be able to do what I'm doing in a in a larger capacity. That's it. Add a zero or a couple zero to everything, everything that I'm doing now, and I'm good. I'm good. Like I'm good right now. Like if this was it and it just coasted like this forever, I'm good. Believe me, I'm good. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody. I don't have to answer to anybody in that sense. You know what I'm saying? I do what I want to do, what I love to do, and I love doing it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm happy. That's number one for me. Happy. That's why I love that for us. <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like for me, if, if if you're not happy, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not about it's not about ah oh, man, I could be making twenty k, but I'm only making twelve or eight or whatever. Like if you're happy, you're good. Yeah. Uh, any anything else you still want to add? Yeah, I mean, you know, check me out. I promise music dot com everywhere. I promise music is me. If you Google I Promise Music, that's me. Well, uh, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. I appreciate it. And uh, best of luck to you in the future. Thank you. Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about Promise, go to thecomeupshow.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. Follow us on SoundCloud, too. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Come Up Show. We'll be at North by Northeast this weekend doing lots of coverage, so watch out for that. And our very own DJ Chetto is co-hosting the Battle of the Americas, that's USA versus Canada, on June 21st. It's going to have guest judges Jake One, Young Guru, and Symbolic One. So make sure to check out for that. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman. Thank you for joining me. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 